Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible 2 Kings 16 This chapter is wholly taken up with the reign of Ahaz, and we have quite enough of it, unless it were better. He had a good father, and a better son, and yet was himself one of the worst of the kings of Judah. 1. He was a notorious idolater, verses 1-4. 2. With the treasures of the temple, as well as his own, he hired the king of Assyria to invade Syria and Israel, verses 5-9. to 3. He took pattern from an idol's altar which he saw at Damascus for a new altar in God's temple, verses 10-16. to 4. He abused and embezzled the furniture of the temple, verses 17 and 18. And so his story ends, verses 19 and 20. The reign of Ahaz, 726 BC. 1 In the seventeenth year of Pekah the son of Remaliah, Ahaz the son of Jotham king of Judah began to reign. 220 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father. 3 But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. For and he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places, and on the hills, and under every green tree. We have here a general character of the reign of Ahaz. Few and evil were his days few, for he died at thirty-six evil, for we are here told, 1. That he did not that which was right like David, verse 2, that is, he had none of that concern and affection for the instituted service and worship of God for which David was celebrated. He had no love for the temple, made no conscience of his duty to God, nor had any regard to his law. Herein he was unlike David, it was his honor that he was of the house and lineage of David, and it was owing to God's ancient covenant with David that he was now upon the throne, which aggravated his wickedness, for he was a reproach to that honorable name and family, which therefore was really a reproach to him, degenerati genus opprobrium a good extraction is a disgrace to him who degenerates from it. And though he enjoyed the benefit of David's piety, he did not tread in the steps of it. 2. That he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, verse 3, who all worshipped the calves. He was not joined in any affinity with them, as Jehoram and Ahaziah were with the house of Ahab, but ex Maromotu without any instigation, walked in their way. The kings of Israel pleaded policy and reasons of state for their idolatry, but Ahaz had no such pretense in him it was the most unreasonable impolitic thing that could be. They were his enemies, and had proved enemies to themselves too by their idolatry, yet he walked in their way. 3. That he made his sons to pass through the fire, to the honor of his dunghill deities. He burnt them, so it is expressly said of him, 2 Chronicles 28 verse 3, burnt some of them, and perhaps made others of them, Hezekiah himself not accepted, though afterwards he was never the worse for it, to pass between two fires, or to be drawn through a flame, in token of their dedication to the idol. 4. That he did according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out. It was an instance of his great folly that he would be guided in his religion by those whom he saw fallen into the ditch before his eyes, and follow them, and it was an instance of his great impiety that he would conform to those usages which God had declared to be abominable to him and set himself to write after the copy of those whom God had cast out, thus walking directly contrary to God. 5. That he sacrificed in the high places, verse 4. If his father had, but had zeal enough to take them away, 
the debauching of his sons, sons might have been prevented, but those that connive at sin know not what dangerous snares they lay for those that come after them. He forsook God's house, was weary of that place where, in his father's time, he had often been detained before the Lord, and performed his devotions on high hills, where he had a better prospect, and under green trees, where he had a more pleasant shade. It was a religion little worth, which was guided by fancy, not by faith. 5 Then Rezin king of Syria and Pekah son of Remaliah king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to war, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. 6 At that time Rezin king of Syria recovered Elath to Syria, and drave the Jews from Elath, and the Syrians came to Elath, and dwelt there unto this day. 7 So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria, saying, I am thy servant and thy son, come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Syria, and out of the hand of the king of Israel, which rise up against me. 8 And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord, and in the treasures of the king's house, and sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. 9 And the king of Assyria hearkened unto him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus, and took it, and carried the people of it captive to Kiar, and slew Rezin. Here is 1. The attempt of his confederate neighbors, the kings of Syria and Israel, upon him. They thought to make themselves masters of Jerusalem, and to set a king of their own in it, Isaiah 7 verse 6. In this they fell short, but the king of Syria recovered Elath, a considerable port upon the Red Sea which Amaziah had taken from the Syrians, chapter 14 verse 22. What can those keep that have lost their religion? Let them expect, thenceforward, to be always on the losing hand. 2. His project to get clear of them. Having forsaken God, he had neither courage nor strength to make head against his enemies, nor could he, with any boldness, ask help of God, but he made his court to the king of Assyria, and got him to come in for his relief. Those whose hearts condemn them will go anywhere in a day of distress rather than to God. Was it because there was not a God in Israel that he sent to the Assyrian for help? Was the rock of ages removed out of its place, that he stayed himself on this broken reed? The sin itself was its own punishment, for, though it is true that he gained his point, the king of Assyria hearkened to him, and, to serve his own turn, made a descent upon Damascus, whereby he gave a powerful diversion to the king of Syria, verse 9, and obliged him to let fall his design against Ahaz, carrying the Syrians captive to Kir, as Amos had expressly foretold, chapter 1 verse 5, yet, considering all, he made but a bad bargain, for, to compass this one. He enslaved himself, verse 7 I am thy servant and thy son, that is, I will be as dutiful and obedient to thee as to a master or father, if thou wilt, but do me this good turn. Had he thus humbled himself to God, and implored his favor, he might have been delivered upon easier terms, he might have saved his money, and needed only to have parted with his sins. But, if the prodigal forsake his father's house, he soon becomes a slave to the worst of masters, Luke 15 verse 15. 2. two. He impoverished himself, for he took the silver and gold that were laid up in the treasury both of the temple and of the kingdom, and sent it to the king of Assyria, verse 8. Both church and state must be squeezed and exhausted, to gratify this his new patron and guardian. I know not what authority he had thus to dispose of the public stock, but it is common for those that have brought themselves into straits by one sin to help themselves out by another, and those that have alienated themselves from God will make no difficulty of alienating any of his rights. 
10 and King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus, and King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the fashion of the altar, and the pattern of it, according to all the workmanship thereof. 11 And Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus, so Uriah the priest made it against King Ahaz came from Damascus. 12 And when the king was come from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached to the altar, and offered thereon. 13 And he burned his burnt offering, and his meat offering, and poured his drink offering, and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings, upon the altar. 14 And he brought also the brassen altar, which was before the Lord, from the forefront of the house, from between the altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the altar. 15 And King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, Upon the great altar burn the morning burnt offering, and the evening meat offering, and the king's burnt sacrifice, and his meat offering, with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, and their meat offering, and their drink offerings, and sprinkle upon it all the blood of the burnt offering, and all the blood of the sacrifice, and the brassen altar shall be for me to inquire by. 16 Thus did Uriah the priest, according to all that king Ahaz commanded. Though Ahaz had himself sacrificed in high places, on hills, and under, under every green tree, verse 4, yet God's altar had hitherto continued in its place and in use, and the king's burnt offering, and his meat offering, verse 15, had been offered upon it by the priests that attended it, but here we have it taken away by wicked Ahaz, and another altar, an idolatrous one, put in the room of it a bolder stroke than the worst of the kings had yet given to religion. We have here 1. The model of this new altar, taken from one at Damascus, by the king himself, verse 10. The king of Assyria having taken Damascus, thither Ahaz went, to congratulate him on his success, to return him thanks for the kindness he had done him by this expedition, and, as his servant and son, to receive his commands. Had he been faithful to his God, he would not have needed to crouch thus meanly to a foreign power. At Damascus, either while viewing the rarities of the place, or rather while joining with them in their devotions, for, when he was there, he thought it no harm to do as they did, he saw an altar that pleased his fancy extremely, not such a plain old-fashioned one as that which he had been trained up in attendance upon at Jerusalem, but curiously carved, it is likely, and adorned with image work, there were many pretty things about it which he thought significant, surprising, very charming, and calculated to excite his devotion. Solomon had but a dull fancy, he thought, compared with the ingenious artist that made this altar. Nothing will serve him, but he must have an altar just like this, a pattern of it must be taken immediately, he cannot stay till he returns himself, but sends it before him in all haste, with orders to Uriah the priest to get one made exactly according to this model, and have it ready against he came home. The pattern God showed to Moses in the mount or to David by the Spirit was not comparable to this pattern sent from Damascus. The hearts of idolaters walked after their eyes, which are therefore said to go a-whoring after their idols, but the true worshippers worship the true God by faith. 2. The making of it by Uriah the priests, verse 11. This Uriah, it is likely, was the chief priest who at this time presided in the temple service. To him has sent an intimation of his mind, for we read not of any express orders he gave him, to get an altar made by this pattern. And, without any dispute or objection, he put it in hand immediately, being perhaps as fond of it as the king was, at least being very willing to humor the king and desirous to curry favor with him. Perhaps he might have this excuse for gratifying the king herein, that, by this means, 
he might keep him to the temple at Jerusalem and prevent his totally deserting it for the high places and the groves. Let us oblige him in this, thinks Uriah, and then he will bring all his sacrifices to us, for by this craft we get our living. But, whatever pretense he had, it was a most base wicked thing for him that was a priest, a chief priest, to make this altar, in compliance with an idolatrous prince, for hereby one. He prostituted his authority and profaned the crown of his priesthood, making himself a servant to the lusts of men. There is not a greater disgrace to the ministry than obsequiousness to such wicked commands as this was. 2. He betrayed his trust. As priest, he was bound to maintain and defend God's institutions, and to oppose and witness against all innovations, and for him to assist and serve the king in setting up an altar to confront the altar which by divine appointment he was consecrated to minister at, was such a piece of treachery and perfidiousness as may justly render him infamous to all posterity. Had he only connived at the doing of it, had he been frightened into it by menaces, had he endeavored to dissuade the king from it, or but delayed the doing of it till he came home, that he might first talk with him about it, it would not have been so bad, but so willingly to walk after his commandment, as if he were glad of the opportunity to oblige him, was such an affront to the God he served as was utterly inexcusable. 3. The Dedicating of It Uriah, perceiving that the king's heart was much upon it, took care to have it ready against he came down, and set it near the brazen altar, but somewhat lower and further from the door of the temple. The king was exceedingly pleased with it, approached it with all possible veneration, and offered thereon his burnt, off burnt offering, etc., verses 12 and 13. His sacrifices were not offered to the God of Israel, but to the gods of Damascus, as we find 2 Chronicles 28 verse 23, and, when he borrowed the Syrian's altar, no marvel that he borrowed their gods. Naaman, the Syrian, embraced the God of Israel when he got earth from the land of Israel to make an altar of. For, the removal of God's altar, to make room for it. Uriah was so modest that he put this altar at the lower end of the court, and left God's altar in its place, between this and the house of the Lord, verse 14. But that would not satisfy Ahaz, he removed God's altar to an obscure corner in the north side of the court, and put his own before the sanctuary, in the place of it. He thinks his new altar is much more stately, and much more sightly, and disgraces that, and therefore let that be laid aside as a vessel in which there is no pleasure. His superstitious invention at first jostled with God's sacred institution, but at length jostled it out. Note, those will soon come to make nothing of God that will not be content to make him their all. Ahaz durst not, perhaps for fear of the people, quite demolish the brazen altar and knock it to pieces, but, while he ordered all the sacrifices to be offered upon this new altar, verse 15, the brazen altar, says he, shall be for me to inquire by. Having thrust it out from the use for which it was instituted, which was to sanctify the gifts offered upon it, he pretends to advance it above its institution, which it is common for superstitious people to do. The altar was never designed for an oracle, yet Ahaz will have it for that use. use. The Romish church seemingly magnifies Christ's sacraments, yet wretchedly corrupts them. But some give another sense of Ahaz's purpose, as for the brazen altar, I will consider what to do with it, and give order about it. The Jews say that, afterwards, of the brass of it he made that famous dial which was called the dial of Ahaz, chapter 20 verse 11. The base compliance of the poor-spirited priest with the presumptuous usurpations of an ill-spirited king is again taken notice of, Verse 16 Uriah the priest did according to all that king Ahaz commanded.
Miserable is the case of great men when those that should reprove them for their sins strengthen and serve them in their sins. 17 And King Ahaz cut off the borders of the bases, and removed the labor from off them, and took down the sea from off the brass and oxen that were, were under it, and put it upon a pavement of stones. 18 And the covert for the Sabbath that they had built in the house, and the king's entry without, turned he from the house of the Lord for the king of Assyria. 19 Now the rest of the acts of Ahaz which he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? 20 And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Hezekiah his son reigned in his stead. Here is, 1. Ahaz abusing the temple, not the building itself, but some of the furniture of it. 1. He defaced the bases on which the labors were set, 1 Kings 7 verses 28 and 29, and took down the molten sea, verse 17. These the priests used for washing, against them therefore he seems to have had a particular spite. It is one of the greatest prejudices that can be done to religion to obstruct the purifying of the priests, the Lord's ministers. 2. He removed the covert for the Sabbath, erected either in honor of the Sabbath or for the conveniency of the priests, when on the Sabbath, they officiated in greater numbers than on other days. Whatever it was, it should seem that in removing it he intended to put a contempt upon the Sabbath, and so to open as wide an inlet as any to all manner of impiety. 3. The king's entry, which led to the house of the Lord, for the convenience of the royal family, perhaps the descent which Solomon had made, and which the queen of Sheba admired, 1 Kings 10 verse 5, he turned another way, to show that he did not intend to frequent the house of the Lord any more. This he did for the king of Assyria, to oblige him, who perhaps returned his visit, and found fault with this entry, as an inconvenience and disparagement to his palace. When those that have had a ready passage to the house of the Lord, to please their neighbors, turn it another way, they are going down the hill apace towards their ruin. 2. Ahaz resigning his life in the midst of his days, at thirty-six years of age, verse 19, and leaving his kingdom to a better man, Hezekiah his son, verse 20, who proved as much a friend to the temple as he had been an enemy to it. Perhaps this very son he had made to pass through the fire, and thereby dedicated him to Moloch, but God, by his grace, snatched him as a brand out of the burning.